Need a few minutes to reset? Great Minds is a podcast from SBS that guides you through different meditation styles from around the world. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. You're with SBS Radio. Joining me today is a man who, despite being confined to a wheelchair since the mid-1950s, has led a life that has been an inspiration to so many people, Aboriginal and non-Aboriginal. He's been a personal hero of mine for more years than I care to count, and it is indeed an honour to be with him today. Watchabalik elder and true basketball legend, Uncle Kevin Coombs. Uncle, thanks for agreeing to this interview. You're welcome. Charles. Uncle, Uncle Kevin, let's set the stage and go back to 1953. This was a year where your life changed pretty dramatically. You're a self-proclaimed bush kid who loved being out in the country, hunting rabbits. Rabbits, yeah. Uh, what's your recollection of what took place on that day? What happened was we were walking through the 1953 floods, which was huge in Bell Reynold uh, mm. at the time, and we were just shooting rabbits and gutting them and hang them up so that the rabbitos can pick them up next day. I had a gun. My cousin had a gun. I was 12 and he was um, 14. And we had these two little cousins tagging along. Both of them were nine. And Noly Edwards and Ray Murray and, and Alec Murray was with me. He was the eldest. And then I put my gun down. We sort of sat down and asked which way we should go, whether we'd go that way or this way, mm. further down the river. And we sort of discussing which way we should go and and I didn't take any notice of uh, these two little fellas coming along beyond and uh, one of them picked up my gun and I think bloody hell I think I left a bullet in that I heard the click click and he turned it around and he was about three or four feet away from me and bang hit me in the spine and uh I just dropped to the ground. And now this was in a day, this was in 1953, and this was at a period of time where you took a bullet to the spine Yes. and your chances of survival were negligible to say the least. Now you and I have yarned about that. You've mentioned, you know, a few weeks survival was what was expected. Yeah, well they told me uh, afterwards when I came down to Melbourne, in those days people with a spinal injury only lasted five weeks. And I thought, I'm still here, brother. <laughs> Immediately following the the gunshot incident, I seem to recall reading that you were about 30 miles away from the hospital and a whole lot of uh, gates, as is so common in the yeah. in country. We're about 15 miles from where we were mm. to the highway, and there's a lot of gates along the way. But dear old Stewie, Stewie Murray, who took me to hospital, uh, and my aunt, uh, she was, because oh, I was lapping in and out of consciousness. Yeah. And she was wiping me down and keeping me calm in the back seat. And um, Stewie had this uh, 1948 Vauxhall. Anyway, he took me to hospital in this and and he didn't bother about opening the gates. He just drove straight <laughs> through and bang, bang, bang. Uh, we got to the highway and and then the lights were hanging off it and <laughs> the mud guards were all dented. So he spun on the highway and took off towards town. I, I guess uh, he didn't have enough oil in it. So one of the valves went through the side block and we're a mile out of town and so Stu had to get out and run to this uh, Italian farm to get on the phone and get the ambulance to come out. So he did that and uh, he jumped in, put me in the ambulance, he jumped in with us and 
Bell Reynolds, only a small bush nurse yeah. in the hospital, and uh, they wanted to know my blood group. <laughs> so running around like Chuck said, the head's cut off, and he, he laid down in the bed next to me, and they pumped blood from him straight into me, so uh, I'm a Murray. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that settled me down, and then they took me to Swan Hill that evening and operated on to get the bullet out. I was in Swan Hill Hospital for a long while, as I yeah. said. They didn't really know how to look after paraplegic people and uh, uh, I was just in my own faeces and uh, own wee and stuff like that. And I was just washed in the morning and I was left till the next morning. So yeah. got this huge bed sore on me backside, on me, ended of me coccyx and the doctor says, well, you, if you're going to stay here, you're going to die. So it was starting to get into me bloodstream. So they sent me down to the Royal Children's Hospital and that was very traumatic for me because it being a black kid, being part of the community and all that back home, I didn't see another black face for two years. As you were only 12 years old at the time. Yes, yeah. Very, very traumatic for me. Because of me bed sore, I had to lay on my stomach for 12 months to heal this bed sore. When I, when I came to... Melbourne, they took down me dressing to have a look and this nurse uh, threw up and fainted. And I thought to myself, bloody hell, it's got a bit of work to do here. But anyway, we, we had to work out in the gym uh, in the morning or you had to play sport in the afternoon. So one of the ways I got involved in sport was weightlifting and stuff like that so that you could, you could handle what was coming at you with life so you could add the strength to get in and out of the bath, in and out of uh, your wheelchair if you fell out of it. And I became a very good basketball player. And we, we used to think that maybe uh, we'd get over there and train in the afternoon uh, so that the, the nurses would come out and have a look at us and say, geez, he's a <laughs> handsome-looking fella. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that was one of the reasons why I took to sport and, and uh, liked it very much. You were very successful in sport, so much so within a few years you ended up representing Australia in the world's first Paralympic Games in Rome in 1960. You were representing a country though, a full seven years before you as an Aboriginal man were even able to get a passport. You had to travel to Rome on an honorary British passport. That's right. What impact did that have on you, being there, representing the country at the highest level, but not being recognised by your country and counted in the census? Yeah, well, it was a bit galling, and I think it still sticks in my guts uh, that as a young bloke, they told me you had to go and get a passport, and and, um, that's when they gave me an honorary British passport, and it still sticks in my guts that I went away at the highest play in the highest level, I had to uh, go out on a British passport. And it was fairly elite. Uh, Even back then, I believe there were only 12 athletes who went across, and this is at a time where the Paralympics were specifically for paraplegics, so you were wheelchair-bound. I believe also you had to raise your own funds to get over there, and you had to participate in multiple sports. Yeah, you had to uh, raise some money, so you had to go outside footy grounds. We had to shake tins, and it's different nowadays where uh, you just turn up and since the corporates got, got involved, which is fantastic, 
it's all about progress, I suppose, progression since Channel 7 and those people and the corporates got involved. Yeah. So it's fantastic that, uh, that they do that nowadays. You are quite rightly recognised as quite an icon uh, in Australian sports when it comes to Aboriginal representation. Uh, you were the first and only Aboriginal representative in that 1960 Paralympic team. You represented Australia in five Paralympics, all told, and have done yes. numerous other things. Things have changed substantially over the years when it comes to Aboriginal people in sport. For you personally, what are some of those highlights, not in your own life, but for seeing other Aboriginal people in sport? First of all, it's great that uh, people can get off the couch, if you like, and and play sport. And people like Cathy Freeman led the way, and, and before her was Lionel Rose and Yvonne Corley and uh, City Jackson is another fella yeah. that uh, comes to mind. He played in three grand finals, VFL, and, and won them. Yvonne Corley won two Wimbledon, won when she was a single girl, and went back and won it when she was a mother. Fantastic to see people like come through like that, and a lot of the AFL boys that, that are playing since then and coming up, you see them fantastic. It's interesting you mention AFL, which really begs the question, racism in sport have you seen much of that what are some experiences that stick in your mind it happened to me once uh, when we were overseas uh, i forget where we were but i was having a beer and a couple of me mates who were non-drinkers they were having coffee but uh, this zimbabwean bloke said uh, oh they're opening the bars for niggers now you know oh my god and uh, my manager a bloke by the name of kevin betts uh, god bless him he's He's no longer with us, but um, he was fantastic to me. He said, point, me out, point him out to me tomorrow morning, will you? And I see this uh, Zimbabwean bloke. He must have really turned it on that night because his face was bright red. I said, that's him there. <laughs> so Kevin Betts went over and grabbed him by the shirt, stood him up. He said, don't ever talk to my, one of my boys like that ever again. Pushed him down, back down again, you know. How important do you believe sport is to building up that own sense of self-worth? Well, I think it's very important because uh, when I was playing sport with the belief that uh, no one was better than me. (laughs) As as you've said previously, you've been the best. I was the best. (laughs) And I was sort of sounding a bit like Muhammad Ali, but, uh, well, I believed I was the best. Mm. Because I'd won two best basketball at two different tournaments and I played in five Paralympics. So for a number of years I was the first picked, but I was probably towards the end of my career, like 84, Mm. which was my last Paralympics, uh, I was probably number 10. Now you were 42, 43 at that stage, weren't you? Yep, so I was starting to go grey and uh, (laughs) and slowing down a bit, but... uh, I had a great career. Uncle Kevin Coombs, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you very much, Charles. Want to hear more stories like this? Listen on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from.